What is a summertime patriot? Y'all heard me use this term many times. A summertime patriot is someone who is willing to stand up for what's right and willing to take pride in their nation and stand for the rights and liberties and freedoms that we were granted just because we were born here. When it's easy. When it's popular. When it's fun. When it's cool. There are people that talk a good talk, but they do not walk a walk. When shit gets hard, they run. When it's time to make that hard call and say that hard thing. Well, it's don't rock a boat, don't cause drama. Well, surely it can't be that bad. Well, come on. They'll be better than that, won't they? And they sit there and they do nothing. And we've all been guilty of it for far too long. It's how we got to this particular part. Wake up! These are the times the dry man's souls, the summer soldier and the sunshine patriot, will in this time of crisis shrink from the service of his country. But he that stands by deserves the love and thanks of men and women. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What obtained too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. We seek fellow winter soldiers, because unlike the sunshine patriots, we stand by our country. Through thick and thin, doing whatever it takes to serve it, including exposing the crimes of those in government, in order to steer it back to the right track. Let it be told that in the depth of winter, when nothing but hope and virtue could survive, that the city and the country, alarmed at one common danger, came forth to meet and to repulse it. The term winter soldier is contrast of the summer patriot, who deserted at Valley Ford because things got hard. We were drawing the blood red line, have to be the winter soldiers now. We could be quiet. We could comply and live peaceful lives, but we feel because of what threatens this country, the medical tyranny, the silencing of dissenting voices, not from foreign nations, but our own government, it is why we must speak and stand. Remember the final line of the declaration that we mutually pledged each other, our lives, our fortunes, and our secret honor. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. It must be fought for, protected, for if trouble must come, let it come in our time, so that our children can live. Hello, hello, welcome to another episode of Winter's Call Podcast. I'm Odin. And that's Tyr, (laughs) who's having some computer issues. And we have the beautiful Freya, who is here with us today, to sit here and uh, learn about all of the doom and chaos that is currently happening. So, <laughs> yep, I have been off of politics for two weeks, and uh, love you, pops. Uh, chum, oh, where'd Chum go? Oh, he'll be back. <laughs> I was gonna say, well, either way, I was gonna say, fuck you, Chum, but he still can't defend himself, so it's still good. <laughs> it's all good, all good. So, uh, I wonder if he's going to send me a message. I don't know. So, all right. So, I guess it's just me and you tonight until he figures out what's wrong with his computer. So, let's talk about 
politics in the news that's happened in the past day. Uh, let's start with the Liz Cheney is unelected. She lost her reelection in the primary. So for the first time in Je- in January of uh, 2023 will be the first time since the 1970s that there won't be a Cheney, a Bush, a Clinton, or uh, who's the other one? Cheney, Bush, Clinton. I think that's them. No <laughs> dynasties. No dynasty uh, politicians. <clears throat> so she is gone and she lost as a uh, as uh, Trump would say, she lost bigly, like 38 points bad. <laughs> she lost by 38 percentage points. That is that is a stomping. <laughs> now, is she, is she a rhino? Yes. Oh. Well, okay, it depends on when you ask. And uh, it, it depends... Like, uh, uh, she's the... She's the Republican representation on the January 6th committee. Uh, she suffers from a severe case of Trump derangement syndrome. And uh, which is funny because she voted for Trump in 2020. That's odd. That's about all I knew about her was that she's on the January 6th committee. And she doesn't like Trump. That's all I knew about her. <laughs> well, okay, so check this out. The the uh, politician that beat her was an anti-Trump person in 2016. Tried to get it so that, tried to have the primary uh, overturned and had, uh, um, tried to get uh, Ted Cruz to be the nominee. But, she sits here and she changed and then Cheney voted for Trump and supported Trump for 2020. And then after January 6th, major Trump derangement syndrome. And it's like the one person that voted or the people that voted for her were all Dick Cheney associates. <laughs> so <laughs> it was freaking crazy. So uh, let's see. Let's talk about other election news. So Alaska is trying a new type of uh, a new type of election. So here's how weird Alaska's elections are. We won't know the results that happened of the election yesterday until August 31st. What? Well, they have overseas ballots and all of that stuff. Alaska is a big place with very few people. So elections always move at a snail's pace, which doesn't really matter for general elections. They usually call them way before Alaska sits here and uh, way before Alaska sits here and the results come in. (laughs) But. So they decided to try a ranked election. A ranked for. Hold on, I gotta. I'm gonna go beat him. All right. Oh, I think Tear is back. Hold on. Maybe. No, he just walked away. (laughs) Just to be clear, I mean beat him with love and kisses 
Come here, little fucker. <laughs> oh, I know what you meant. So, <laughs> so anyhow, so uh, basically, you vote for your top five in the order that you would like them in office. So, if they have, if nobody gets fifty percent of the vote, uh, like you're. It's very confusing, but it's even more confusing because Alaska had a general election for to replace the individual who died in office and the primary for that same election that's going to take place in November. So they're having a general and a primary for the same election. But one is general to replace the dead guy, and the other one is the primary to see who's going to run in the election for... It's just, it's very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I was, I was trying to keep up with that. <laughs> <laughs> now we got a snippy. Now he's calm. Oh, oh good. <laughs> Where's Peter? Uh I'm, he has logged on and off a couple of times while we're waiting for this. He hasn't said anything on our chat, so I'm assuming he's still trying to fix the computer. So this is, this is uh, all good. We sit here and I have lots of news to cover. I so. want to hear some doom and gloom. All right, here we go wanna, with I doom and gloom. Let's start with the sun. So right now. Or since the 14th here, I will share this so that you can see what I'm seeing when I sit here and I talk about the story. Uh, let's see. Spaceweather.com. Here we go. All right. So this is what is this little spot right here. Can you see the picture? Is it moving? Yes. Okay. So that picture right there, right, was a CME. It's a coronal mass ejection that has... The sunspot has hit, or that has moved into uh, into position. It's firing like a machine gun. It's like super. Uh, uh, it, it's firing. It's fired twenty solar flares and coronal mass ejections at the Earth in the past three days, and five or six of them are M-class level, which means they're starting to get up there. Now, generally with our, uh, I will show you, um, so basically we're under a, a solar storm from now, earlier today, all the way until the 20th. So far, we're at a G3, which is strong, but it's not normally going to uh, damage our grid uh so there's no like risk of super blackouts so that's what they're hoping and and the reason that i say that that's what's hoping is because normally we determine uh we determine which uh, uh if it's dangerous is because this is the way that the magnetosphere on the earth has always reacted uh, we've been protected from this size storm in the past. It is the normalcy bias that a lot of people have. Scientists have the same thing. Uh, unfortunately, we know that the magnetosphere has 
been weakening 10% every decade. So, uh, and we're not exactly sure why it has started recently, uh, decreasing in strength. Uh, there's just some questions we can't answer, but I'll, I'll show you what it looks like. Hold on. I, uh, we'll go to video file. Nope, wrong one. Now, Share power screen. outages are something that you have predicted. So, is this one of the scenarios that you were predicting? Uh, yes. Uh, it's, uh, back in the 1850s, there was a thing called the Carrington event, right? And the Carrington event was such a large, uh, was such a large, uh, solar event. I mean, it was huge. Uh, we talked about, I, I had talked about C and M class flares. That was an X class flare. It was an X 45 flare. Now we have a potential of going way higher than that. But so we have, uh, uh, but flares are not only dangerous based off of power, but also on duration. And I'm going to show you the, that we have had what's known as a, we're having a cannibal solar storm. So what happens is it lets out smaller, slower moving ones, and then a fast one that sits here and bumps into the slower ones and then combines the power. And it, it makes it bigger. So we're predicting best case scenario of a G3 solar storm, but it could get bigger. So let me let me share with you. Can you see the screen? Yes. All right. So I turned off the volume because I don't want to I don't want to sit here and uh, take the guy's video, but I want to show you. So these effects down here, these are the this is the CME. Uh, when we get a halo effect, that means it's earth-directed. And as you can tell, we have a nice halo right around that side. Yes. Right? So that was, one of the, that was one of the big ones. This is uh, from a different, uh, freak, uh, uh, different frequency because we look at different frequencies. And this is what we're showing, right? So this is the... Uh, solar, uh, the EMPs headed towards each other. Uh, let me see if I can show. Oh, it's going to show the thing here in a sec. So this is the Earth, right? That little uh, gray dot right there. Yes. Right. <laughs> so this is the magnetosphere, right? It surrounds the Earth. It protects us from all of this stuff, right? And the solar winds push against it. That's why you get these. Uh, that's why you get these little arms over the side, and it pushes back. Now, that strength of it is weakening, right? Uh, so we get bigger auroras and stuff like that. All the pretty cool lights in the uh, in the sky. But as you can see, as it sits here and it starts to move and get more energy, do you see how it's changing color? That's weakening. So, <laughs> so as you can see, the, the green is starting to build and build and build. And as it takes more beatings, right, it sits here and there you go. Here's an even better one. This is the same, same type of thing, right, but the magnetosphere uh, from a different angle mm -hmm. and these, this is our protective shield, right? So when it sits here and it gets hit with that energy, 
it sits here and pulls it back, right? Uh, it'll get smaller and smaller and it'll squeeze it. So this is our shield, right? And then we sit here, we start to go towards the CMEs and that we start to get the energy that comes by and see how it's getting smaller and smaller, the, the angle. Yes. All right. So this, this here is our, uh, is our, uh, solar flux. Right, these are you know, so you get to see the auroras, right? Stuff like that. I've got other ones that show a better picture than this one, so we're gonna skip past this. But look how intense that is. That's over Europe right now. So, if you could explain to me in layman in layman's terms what the physical effects it's going to have on us, like I, so, I understand that, like obviously, if the soul, if, if um we lose power, there will be physical effects, but like any type of weather effects or, or something that we can like physically see. So that is a, that is a touchy subject. And, and the reason that I say that is, is that, um, people debate back and forth as to whether or not it's going to affect. So normally the earth is affected by the sun. Our uh, so certain solar effects can cause geological disturbances, such as an uptick in earthquakes. Uh, it'll affect the, the uh, GPS. So if you use GPS right now uh, solely to get around, uh, you might want to pull up uh, Yahoo or uh, MapQuest and print out a paper copy because GPS is not going to work. Uh, like it's supposed to, it affects radio communication, satellites, uh, depending on the strength and what type of day, or if you're on the day side of it or the night side. Uh, each of them have different effects. It's generally a global effect, but it has a different effect on the night side than it does on the day side. Right. Um, but it also, uh, solar flares have also been known to sit here and affect people's mental state. Um, people with um, pacemakers, autoimmune deficiencies, mental illness. Uh, it, it all, because uh, <coughs> the way the radiation affects us, because like you saw the picture where it was, be, the earth was, being protected by the magnetosphere and that stops a lot of the energy but you always have like different type that's just one that's the dangerous type of energy for grid wise but it's not all of the energy from a solar flare so it can affect moods uh suicides generally go up the stronger the uh solar storm uh some navigation systems inside of animals is messed up uh, it can affect the attitude of dogs and cats, right? depending on how strong it is. But it's important to realize that uh, <coughs> I, I had mentioned earlier that they were talking about um, the how it can affect the grid. But normally they tell us not to worry because they have that normalcy bias when it comes to um, whatchamacallit. Uh, the, when it comes to, oh, the Earth's magnetosphere is going to protect us from all of this stuff. It'll be fine, you know, unless it's a long-duration storm. I think four days is a long-duration solar storm. But 
So it'll protect us from everything, but that, um, or from all of that. And that's important, uh, because, uh, is it this one I want? So it's important because our grid is currently under stress due to drought and flooding and the push for electric vehicles and production and all of that stuff. Uh, we sit here and we get a lot of extra strain on the grid. Now, we have an aging grid, right? For $4 billion, we could have fixed it back when we were being warned in 2014, but nobody wanted to pay attention. That so, on Trump. Huh? It'll be blamed on Trump. 2014 is when we were initially warned. That was a Obama era thing. But the same day that they went and talked about the fragility of the grid, right? They sit here and we were celebrating gay marriage in the United States because that's our priority. Yeah, absolutely. So, so they sit here and the reason that that is, uh, the reason that I, I talk about the damage of the grid is because China is currently in uh big trouble uh when it comes to uh their economy right which is why the earth is or that we're almost guaranteed to have a war right so if you can see the article or you can see the headlines this is rapid developments in china electricity supply is rationed and they're doing that in the united states and all over the world right now but China makes a big issue because China currently has 100 million people in blackout conditions right now. They are currently in the largest, biggest drought that they've ever seen in history in China. And uh, so what they're doing is they're shutting down plants, right? When they shut down the plants, they sit here and they're taking... Uh, uh, so the rationing electricity, this includes, uh, this includes, um, manufacturing for batteries, uh, for their lithium mines. Uh, so they went and they sit here and they're pushing for the electric vehicles, but currently China is shutting down the plants so far they say for just a few days but we know how that works right they're shutting down their lithium plants their battery plants and all of that stuff so that you won't even be able to get batteries for or chips for your electronic devices that you enjoy so much or for the electric vehicles they want us to buy and the reason that they're suffering is because the hydroelectric facilities the yangtze river is starting to run dry So, uh, Xichuan is 80% dependent on the hydroelectric dams. So, uh, they uh, have to sit here and get 84 million people to turn off their air conditionings in the middle of uh, uh, over 100 degree temperatures. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Your, your generators use lithium batteries, all of this stuff. So, it's, it's horrible that this is happening, but there's more to this, right? They sit here and 
economically they're suffering not only because they have to shut down plants but because uh when they decided to seize everybody's bank accounts they the people who had those bank accounts uh, decided that you know what we're not gonna pay our mortgages so so you have this this like perfect storm of horrible stuff that's happening and the problem is is that it's a cycle so it's totally out of this world uh i don't know where that's coming from so cyborg shape so i know this sounds really probably morbid but i would be really infatuated with getting the statistics after the solar flare and i'm sure that you know where to get them but on uh, mental, the um, any type of mental health decline or any type of suicide rates or it, just anything that you had mentioned previously, I, I would be really interested in getting those statistics. Um, also, I know I know you said it was Obama era that uh, we were warned, but I, I can just see if if shit pops off that people are going to be like. Oh my God, it's all Trump's fault because he didn't believe in climate change. So I'll just wait for that to happen as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you, you missed uh, one of the things that we were talking about earlier. And it's here and we found out or that the scientists were told to lie about climate change. Let me see if I can find the one. Nope, not that one. Uh, They were told to lie about it. Uh, Nope, wrong one. Where is this podcast uh, going? This one? Like Everywhere. Free to say, or if I say something. Uh, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> we, are, we are North Korea at this point. We are from uh, North Korea. Yeah, I, I would go with that. So when. The media can feed us such shit. And there's a select few people that. <clears throat> understand that the media is feeding us shit and the rest of the crowd is just fucking the whole fucking thing. They're just eating that shit up. Because our population is stupid. We we suffer from several conditions, so let's do this. So, the conditions that we suffer from are we have hopium or the optimism bias, right? Uh, which is things will get better as long as somebody will come and save us, right? Trump will come and save us. Uh, Red Wave will save us. Uh, Q will save us. You know, all of that stuff. Uh, we just need to get Trump out of office. We just, you know, both sides are guilty of it, right? Yeah. And then you have the the people who don't suffer from hopium suffer from uh, the uh, normalcy bias. Oh, well, it's never happened here. So it can't happen here, right? This, you know, uh, we've never seen something like like, uh, me and Tyr were talking where you have, uh, uh, where we have the whole, um, where we have the whole, the word unprecedented needs to be thrown out of because it's not unprecedented to those who pay attention, right? Oh, they're predicting 5 billion people will die from famine alone in case of a nuclear war. Oh, well, it's never happened like that before. We'll be fine. 
this or is, this is why I don't like how um, the left wants to erase our history. The left is erasing history, and yeah, the statues may be controversial. When you take down statues, you don't learn those fucking lessons, and then you history repeats itself. How do how do people not grasp this? Those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. And I tell people all the I tell people all the time. It's one of my catchphrases that uh, history does not repeat. History rhymes, which means the same stuff happens. It's just different names and different causes. All right. So you sit here and you get people uh, who are like, "Oh, it'll never happen." That's that normalcy bias. But at the same time, we have one political party that tries to. Uh, change the definition of words and the other political party doesn't understand why words are important. For example, right? Recession. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good one. So you have people on the left who are trying to redefine the term recession. We've always defined it the same way. It was the dictionary definition of recession, two downturns of GDP, two quarters, right? Constitutes a recession. Oh, well, that's not the term we want to use this time. Well, of course not, because it makes your side look bad, right? Well, if it would have been Trump, we would have went, oh, we're in a recession. But it didn't happen that way. So, but they would have, right? Yes. And then you have people on the right who are like, um, we need to play by the rules, no matter what the other side does. We sit here and um, I guess the the term recession doesn't apply because or they changed the definition of vaccine or they changed the definition of what it is to be female right the the definition of the word female was changed to be the opposite of male thanks that definition is clear as mud <laughs> so we have people who are willing to take it and we have people who are willing to fight dirty, right? So we get, it's this whole, you know, but then we get people who don't understand what words mean. For example, rights. It's my right, right? Oh, you hear God. that from the left and the right. It's my right. It's my right. Okay. Is it a positive right or a negative right? Do you know what the difference between those two terms are? I personally, no, I don't. Okay. A negative right is what's written into our constitution. It is you are, you are free to live as, as free as you want without government interference and without imposing your rights onto someone else. Right. So basically the old adage is your rights end at the tip of my nose. You can throw a punch. You can say whatever you want. Right. All of that stuff. But the moment that you touch me or violate my rights, then you're in violation of that. Now, positive rights are what the left supports. Right. And what that means. Say, I completely agree with the negative rights. <laughs> so positive rights are rights that you hear a lot. Education. Education is a positive right. Healthcare is a positive right, right? Not necessarily bad things on their own, but you require for you to have healthcare as a positive, or for you to have the right to healthcare means that you impose that a doctor must perform those rights. 
government health care is a positive right. It means that you are forcing that doctor to to deal with your medical issues, whether or not he gets paid or whether or not he gets what the free market will bear. Right. Same thing with education. You sit here and it would be different if it was a normal exchange, uh, like a barter or exchange of funds. I give you money. You teach me a subject. Right. That is a that is a negative. Right. But when you sit here and you force the children to go to school. Or you then sit here and say, well, you're a teacher. These are the wages that you will work by. It is now a positive right. Okay. Abortion is a positive right, right? If you believe that the right to abortion, uh, if you believe in the right to abortion, abortion is a positive right. Your rights are pushing your rights onto another individual unwillingly in order for them to comply so that you can be free. Yep. So we have people that argue definitions. This is right and this is right and this is right. And what people need to understand is there is a difference between just saying right and positive and negative rights. Right? Negative rights are you are free. The First Amendment is a perfect example. We use the right of religion. Right? I can practice my religion however I want and you can't say or do anything against it as long as I'm not sitting here and abusing. Uh, like... You have to sit here and uh, you have to sit here and take communion because my religion says you have to take communion. That is a positive right, right? But me taking communion or me opening a Bible, any of that stuff, right? That is a negative right. The government cannot do to you. They cannot for you cannot force anybody else to sit here and follow your religion. Right? Yes. That is a negative right. Positive right is Islam. So, uh, whereas it says convert or die, right, in the Quran, right? Yeah. The, so, that is a positive right, right? Uh, the freedom of the press. I have the right to, or freedom of speech. I have the right to speak, right? That is a negative right. As long as it sits here and it doesn't cause, and, and this is why, even though I'm a free speech absolutist, I understand the concept of negative rights. It's why you can sit here and the Constitution and the Supreme Court has decided that there are, there are nine, uh, nine specific circumstances in which speech can be uh, denied. And it's like causing violence, uh, incitement to action, uh, slander, defamation, you know, that kind of stuff. Yes. Right. I so there are be able to say whatever you want. <laughs> right. 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 If people now, are dumb enough to listen, that's on them. Fair. Now, or the the classic example is you can't shout fire in a movie theater. Yes. Right? That is because people could get injured. However, yes. that's not an absolute because you're allowed to shout fire in a movie theater if there's actually a fire. Yes. So those are certain specific circumstances but you sit here and you ask people well it's my right to yeah well okay <laughs> yeah you can say whatever you want you can be a, and and to me 
the reason that I'm 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 as close as I think I can get to being a free speech absolutist is I want you to tell me how hateful and vile you are. Yeah. I want you to sit here and expose how big of an idiot you are. Right. And I want you to do these types of things because it tells me I'm not hanging around with that person or I'm not going to believe what that person has to say. Yep. (laughs) Unfortunately, it uh, doesn't work that way because while we sit here and can talk about uh, freedom of speech and being free speech absolutists, the, there are certain segments of our population, both on the left and the right, says, well, that may be true, but you're not free from consequences. Right. Oh, yeah. So I- you get the social pariah where you have people who, you know, if you say racist, hateful things, right, that people sit here and uh, then. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, b- yeah. I believe in playground rules. I, I'm I'm all for playground rules. I am a sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me type of person. They're just words. But see, then we get into the issue with freedom of speech specifically, that people believe that if you have a bigger platform, your words matter than people who don't have a big platform. So you get people, so it goes from freedom of speech to freedom of screech. If I am a lowly creator who sits here and says something that I am very passionate about, and because the freedom of speech includes the freedom to hear the information, right? But Mm -hmm. we sit here and we get attacked all the time. People scream. They yell at us. They scream over us. They try to drown us out. That is not freedom of speech. That is freedom of screech. Yes. Right. Where people sit here and believe that if they shout louder than you, that means they're right. No, that means you're a child. Yep. Uh, So, um. Yeah, so so we see here and, you know, it, and there's there's a lot of things that people believe, like how many times have you heard uh, separation of church and state, right? Oh, it's it's in the Constitution. No, it's not. It's not in the Constitution at all. As a matter of fact, it comes from a letter, which up until 1940 was cited in its entirety because it was important to understand the context. Right. After 1948, a man by the name, uh, a a Supreme Court justice, uh, his name was Black, who was a devout racist and Klansman. Right. Decided that he was only going to because the Klan didn't want the Bible to be used in law any more than any than, you know, a bunch of other people. Right. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to use it because it showed what they were doing was bad. So instead of using the entire letter, which explains that the separation between church and state should be high and strong. Right. But it should be a permeable membrane where the church and its morals influence the government. But the government doesn't have any say on what happens to the church. They had just left a regime where the government told the church or the church became part of the government, the enforcement, to do tyranny. And they didn't like that. right? And the reason that he wrote the letter, he wrote it on a – he wrote it uh, on a Sunday, right? 
to the Danbury Baptist Church. And the reason that he wrote it was because they were afraid that if uh, the separation of church and state, that there would be one denomination of Christianity that was in the majority that would then sit here and try to change the laws. Right. And they were afraid. So he wrote that letter and it's only like four paragraphs. It doesn't take very long. Right. Uh, to read, right? And he was explaining that, no, this is not it. And the, the reason is because in most play, most colonies at the time, they were, uh, the, the dominant religion was, uh, is Christianity, but it was a specific type. Uh, it was a, it was a certain sect, uh, Oh, why, 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 why? I knew I should have studied that again. But yeah, so it was one specific type. And it wasn't Baptist, right? So they were worried that they would be persecuted, right? Or left out of the government because they weren't the main group, right? That's what they were worried about. And he wrote the letter. So in 1940, in the 1940s, Justice Black decided that he was going to sit here and quote it for a separation of church and state. And he only used those nine words. So from that point on, that was the Supreme Court, Supreme Court precedence. They never cited the letter again after that. Because they decided that they would use instead of the actual letter. By the way, that letter was forgotten for like 150 years. Like, nobody challenged it up until the 1900s. Oh. Nobody challenged it. They all assumed that, like, they, the same man who wrote Separation of Church and State, where you should be able to practice however you wanted and that the government couldn't do that, was the same guy who said that Islam, that, that Muslims, and the Constitution were not compatible. <laughs> Explain that logic. I mean, I mean, I get that logic, but because again, there's a difference between negative and positive rights, and certain religions don't practice that. So some of them, you know, some of them are more tolerant than others. But <laughs> yes, yes, I can see that. Have you been so. seeing Bandit? He is up my butthole. <laughs> it, it so that solar flare it's possible that it can affect <laughs> uh animal behaviors i mean it it will affect if it's strong enough it will affect the uh the internal navigation of animals so i don't see why it wouldn't cause them to act a little funny so he's so needy right now look at him <laughs> i don't even know if you can see him so Let's talk about more doom and gloom, shall we? Sweet. So, so let's talk about for the first time in a while the there. So Europe has these things called hunger stones, right? And hunger stones are when the water level drops, right? Because there's a cycle in in history, right? When the water level drops, right? They would write the date. And it would, and they were hunger stones because it was times of calamity that they would write the date on and they would talk about how all the evil stuff that was happening, right? In the Rhine, the top of it says, says if, you, if you see me, 
weep. Here's the cycle, right? And civilizations have dealt with this for thousands of years, right? So it's not a global climate change thing, right? What happens is drought. Drought kills the greenery. Then you get flooding, right? It's a cycle. Then you get flooding, and then you get famine. Then you get plague. We're in drought and flooding phase. In the United States, we're like split in half. The western side of the United States is in drought mode. It's on fire. Uh, hold on. Let me see if I can find a fire. Oh, that's solar. Uh, solar predictions. Where's my fire? There it is. All right. So. Let me share the screen. So, as you can see, the western half of the United States is on fire. <laughs> the eastern side of the United States is flooding. Like, there's lots of rain. Now, luckily, that cycle is starting to be broken. Uh, Texas is finally starting to get some rain, uh, and they'll get some rain in the next couple of days, but they sit here and it, it's so funny that it's like the West is on fire and the East is flooding. By the way, did you feel any shaking today? Any earthquake? There's one in Maine. That's why I'm asking. Oh, I, I, I was thinking about it. So... I know this is off topic, but I have anxiety. So sometimes I do feel like the ground moving when it's not. And this, it's strictly an anxiety symptom. And that was acting up today. So now I'm like, hmm, maybe, <laughs> maybe that wasn't my anxiety. <laughs> so it was, it was a smaller earthquake. Uh, let me see if I can find, because I have the earthquake maps up. So to get the hazard. USGS. There we go. All right. So we'll share the screen. So this was the one up in Maine. All right. So you click on that one there. Right, it was a 3.0 in Centerville, Maine. It's a depth of five kilometers, so it's pretty shallow. But this place is not known for most of them, or so we believe. Let's go look at the U.S. hazard map. This tells you where how frequent uh, earthquakes are in the certain areas. And uh, this is the New Madrid fault line, right? So this one can produce some big ones. This one I think is funny because this is like Reaper's area. So I always mess with him. <laughs> naturally, naturally. <laughs> and uh, then, of course, you have California and that whole issue. So, Well, California will hopefully break off soon. So, <laughs> Actually, right now I'm looking at uh, right here is the Cascadian. Uh, subduction zone. This is the one that if it goes is capable of producing a 9.0 earthquake, which will send tsunamis into the uh, into Oregon, Northern California, right? 
that has the potential for some extremely dangerous. So it goes from here all the way down to here. So from into Canada, all the way down to Northern California, right? And uh, let me throw population density in here on why a 9.0 earthquake and tsunami would be bad. These are all the people, right? Like this is this is some serious, you know. What are these lines, these red lines on the map? Those are the tremors. They're the plate ba- or All right, so here, I'll let me get rid of the population. All right, so these are these red lines here, the bigger ones, right? These are plates, right? So this is where they meet, right? Okay. Uh, this is the subduction zone here. These are the other plates and all that stuff, right? So then we add faults, right? These are smaller faults that sit here and break off from the bigger ones. So they have a potential to throw earthquakes uh, occasionally, uh, but not very big. Because a uh, an earthquake is limited when it's by a fault based off of the length of the fault. So it can only be so big based on the length of the fault. So are these, I mean, so these are realistic predictions for California? What do you mean? Realistic predictions? No, these are the actual earthquakes right now that happened in the last 24 hours. Oh, you're talking about the red lines, the faults? The, the tsunamis, the everything else. That oh, no, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So it's going have, to happen. Do they have any uh, precautions or plans for when that happens? So California has pushed the envelope when it comes to uh, earthquake-resistant buildings. Uh, they take a lot of their technology from Japan. Because Japan is very seismic, and they were the they were like they've been around it for centuries, right? So their technology in terms of natural building practices and understanding, uh, uh and uh, understanding um, how earthquakes happen. Yeah. Oh, Chile just had an earthquake. in Chile. (laughs) So, so they, you know, so we got a lot of our building practices on the West Coast because the East Coast doesn't suffer a lot of earthquakes, right? So when we first settled in on the East Coast, we didn't understand, like Europe has very few earthquakes, right? So when people came over from there, like they're localized to plate boundaries. So we may have understood, but when we flee, we tend, humanity is stupid. They sit here and they forget the technology that they needed in their other world. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. (coughs) So they like forget. And uh, then it's like, oh, okay. That's what they meant. So, <laughs> so it's like, all righty then. So, uh, 
they have evacuation routes. But a lot of people, if something doesn't happen on a regular, like, humans are dumb. Most of the population centers around the world live near a plate boundary or live because it's near a shoreline, right? Or they live near a volcano. If a volcano doesn't go off in 70 years, every 70 years or less, right? The next generation will think that they're smarter than their ancestors who fled from the volcano and will move back into the same area. Look at Mount Fuji. Mount Fuji went here and erupted in the 1700s. It killed 20,000 people in the last, uh, the last time it erupted and people fled from that area. But because it happened in the 1700s, civilization will build right at the base. And the reason that they do it is because volcanoes do lava and ash, and it is a good fertile ground once it's started to break down a little bit. Look at uh, look at Mount St. Helens, right? It's now fertile, right? Uh, it when the explosion happened, it was this horrible tragedy. It killed all of these trees. But within 20 years, it's this lush, uh, fertile ground. So that's why in Europe, they keep building under Mount Edna and Mount, Mas- Va- Mount Vesuvius and all of these you know, a- semi-active volcanoes. La Palma is a good example of that. They keep building next to it because it sits here and it, you know, it's got this fertile soil because of the catastrophic stuff. But there has to because- be aesthetics as well because they're not just building building farmlands there they're building residential well okay so that that's what i was getting to is that it starts out with farmland and then because humans are lazy they want to live next to their crops instead of commuting because traveling takes energy mm-hmm. right so then they live there and then the uh farmers communities become the urban communities within you know a span of like 30 or 40 years Right. And it becomes, you know, because the farmers go, well, we're going to live on the land. We're going to farm, but we need supplies that aren't offered here. So uh, why uh, a entrepreneurial mind goes, hey, these guys are going to need X, Y products. They're going to want to go out to eat. So we're going to build a restaurant or we're going to build a shopping center or we're going to build. And then it just grows because that's what how society works yep humans so yes humans will human they cluster and they grow and then a natural disaster comes and wipes it out and we're like i'm never moving there or i'm never living there well okay that's fine but your grandkids will so (laughs) yeah yeah and, and really, it's like a cycle of 70 years. That's why when, you know, uh, we turn we turn disaster zones into national parks. Yellowstone is a perfect example. As it erupted in 640,000 years, even though the cycle is 600,000 to 700,000 in between eruptions, we're at 640,000. Let's turn it into national park and make it tourism because it's beautiful. Well, that beauty is dangerous for a reason 
right? It, even if you don't do super volcano, we've got gases. We've got, you know, there were herds of buffalo that were killed off because the ground decided it wanted to release gas one time, right? <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or the the water in one of the rivers changes from, you know, being this pristine natural mountain spring waters into battery acid, you know, while you're swimming in it because geothermal vent opened or shifted or whatever. For so, some reason, I want to watch Dante's Peak tonight. Dante's Peak. Fair. So... But so you have all of these things, you know, and then in addition to that, we sit here and we're really good at killing ourselves and oh, provoking, yeah. you know, and, and provoking each other to do stupid stuff. Like, for example, uh, Russia took over a nuclear uh, nuclear reactor facility in Ukraine, right? And Ukraine decided that they don't like that. And even though it's incredibly dangerous and irresponsible, they've started firing missiles at the nuclear reactor, <laughs> right? Which will eventually, the, the, now, theoretically, the missiles aren't strong enough to go through the reactor itself. Like, it's protected. It, what they claim, and I'm using air quotes for that, <laughs> what they claim is that short of an actual nuclear weapon hitting the reactor, the reactor is fine from other missiles, right? Like, it, it, it would take a really big explosion to pierce the reactor. However, the waste rods are not in so secure a facility. So if the, 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 the radioactive waste facility is struck it will cause a global not a global it will it will cause a global emergency and and the reason that i say that is because it would it will essentially detonate a dirty bomb which would poison immediately nine countries lithuania ukraine uh uh that whole area Turkey, all of that area would just be wiped, uh, covered in radiation. The problem with that is most of those countries that live in that particular area live in the most fertile lands on the planet. So food shortage, food, sh food shortages would be huge. Africa would starve to death. Uh, all of these bad things would happen. But in addition to that, Russia says that's one of their red lines that if we cross if that happens, they will respond with nuclear weapons in kind. And the reason that they're angry at the United States is because the United States and NATO decided that they were going to give those particular weapons capable of damaging the actual reactor itself to Ukraine. And we trained them how to use the weapons and we gave them the coordinates and how to use the weapons and it's they picked up, Russia picked up from the debris of one of the missiles that were close, and it literally had our stamped information on it. That sounds about right. Yeah. 
And then you go over to China and Taiwan. By the way, China has sent troops over to Russia to help with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Oh, sorry. Technically, that's not why they sent them. What they sent them for was to participate in the War Olympics, which is uh, a, a competition to test different military equipment against each other, whose forces are better than the other people's. And, you know, everybody competed into it. Well, they didn't, not everybody's competing in it this time because there's all these sanctions. But because. So. We just decided we're going to piss off everybody. So they decided that they're going to team up against us. Because the United States can't keep their nose out, there, out of the world business. Go figure, right? So, so here's another one for you. You'll love this one. So, or not. So, uh, China uh, told us, hey, don't fire your... Uh, your Minuteman three rockets don't test them, and we were going to test them. Uh, but instead of saying, "Okay, we won't test them," we don't want to escalate anything. We decided that we would move the test closer to China and Taiwan, and then test them because that's not going to provoke anybody. The Minuteman three rocket has the ability to travel six thousand miles, right? Basically, it can travel that 6,000 miles in half an hour. That's how fast it is. And it carries a nuclear weapon that is capable of 335 kilotons of uh, nuclear material. That's the size of the warhead, right? So basically, 100 times stronger than the weapons we dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. 100 times. And... uh yeah, so we decided that we were going to test that rocket just recently. And because, you know, we don't learn. So did, did you just hear Stimpy disagree with that strongly? <laughs> right. <laughs> he was like, now. <laughs> so we're on the brink, right? And I'm not the only person who thinks, of, thinks this, but we're on the brink of a disastrous war with Russia and China. Russia has already issued their last warning to the United States. We have passed the zero point, according to Russia. They're accusing us of stuff that I know we're guilty of, right? But when it comes... So Russia has decided that they're going to cut off because we violated by shooting the Minuteman 3 rocket, right? They're claiming that we are in violation of nuclear treaties that were set up during the Reagan era. And they are correct. <laughs> but we won't let that get in the way of us. You can't tell us what to do. Imagine if instead of being this arrogant country that thought because we have been in charge for so long, right, that we think we can do no wrong, we'll just bully our way around. But we're not the same country that we were before. Right, we are a bunch of weak willed, emotionally driven, right? People, at least the people in charge, now, yeah. Now, I know that there are masculine people in the audience, and I know that there are masculine people that sit here and um, will disagree that all Americans are this way, and I, I agree with you, right? But the people in charge right now are idiots, the people in charge right now are tyrants. 
the people in charge right now are effeminate and they're looking to pay back. Remember, Michelle Obama told us clearly, it is time to fundamentally change America. We're going to get some payback, which means they're going to destroy everything that makes America great in an effort to make America great for them. They want to fundamentally change. Now, the people who say and go, oh, it's just hyperbole. She was talking about making it better and more equal. Listen to me. Do not make the mistake that neocons make all the time. Right? Do not make this mistake that Republicans make all the time. When your enemy tells you what they're going to do, believe them. When they make demonic sacrifices and tell you what they want to do, believe them. When they tell you that they want to put a chip in your head so that they can monitor where you go, what your carbon footprint is, they want to get rid of phones, they want to implant them in your arm. When they tell you that they're going to do this stuff by 2030, believe them. Yep. When they tell you you will not be able to buy or sell without a microchip, that you will suffer not only your credit score, but an ESG score believe them when they tell you that you won't be able to buy or sell or go visit your grandma or travel or anything unless you sit here and think the right way and they have ways of monitoring it believe them when they hire eighty-seven thousand irs agents to audit the middle class and they train on normal homes middle class homes and they tell you that they need weapons and somebody tells you, hey, this could go wrong very bad, believe them. Yes. Yes. And going back to the masculinity thing, especially in America, that's this is this is why I personally feel like it it's so important to have a strong president. Whether or not you like Trump, you have to admit that he was a strong president. He was a strong masculine figure in our presidency and right now all of these countries are looking at us as a joke and they're looking at us as weak because of what we who we put in power i do not have anything against transgendered individuals but when you purposefully put uh what is uh rachel rachel levine what is she in charge of she's the uh, uh admiral or yeah admiral of the health and human services yeah like number one what is what is even that position number two why is that a why is that a position of power that you would and again no offense to transgendered individuals but when you have countries like russia who refuse to play any movies with with uh male on male, any type of, uh, anything that could be potentially gay. And you have Russia looking at us and saying, this is what they put in power. And I, I hate to be, I hate, I know that sounds awful and it is awful because do I think that transgender people should be viewed as weak? Absolutely not. But Russia is viewing us as fucking weak. The rest of the world is viewing this as weak, and it is because we have decided that we would embrace woke yes, over and, and, strength. And, and, yes. and that's fine if you want to do it on a one-on-one basis. But if you sit here and you're going to do it on 
instead of on a one-on-one basis, you're going to do it as a national uh, conversation or an international conversation. Yes. And are any news that comes out of America internationally, because I've spoken to people from different countries, I'm very privileged to be in the position I am where I can speak to people from different countries and see what their perspectives are. And the people from other countries get our social politics out of the news. The people from other countries see us as weak because they see our social politics going above everything that is important. Everything that is actually dangerous to society is not being reported on. Everything that is dangerous to your feelings is being reported on. Yep. So if you ever want to know what the rest of the world thinks and you don't speak uh, any other languages, India has an English channel where you can get the news from India about what they think about what's going on, and you will laugh. Or Australia, Sky News, that type of place. They sit here, they mock us mercilessly yes. because we have shown our ass. Right. Oh, yeah. and, and the problem is, is that you cannot win a war by being more woke. I mean, that doesn't even work in the United States, right? In the United States, we have companies who are out there trying to outwoke each other because you'll never be woke enough. And yet they sit here and uh, they always try to be more, you know, the woke Olympics. I'm more woke than you are. So I can say, and, and they eat each other over time. More woke or more of a victim? Yeah, either one. I'm more victimized than you. So you need to shut up. And eventually yeah. we're just going to get to the bottom fucking victim. <laughs> yeah, that would be the dead person. It's 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 ridiculous. Uh, how do they feel about Canada? Because Canada is more woke, more woke than us. Canada just accepted the digital ID passport system. Digital brought ID. up by Carl Schwab, where they sit here and they're going to monitor everything you say or do on every digital platform, and an AI will be in charge of what you can and cannot say. Terrifying. That it, Terrifying. Yeah, and, and it'll be in the United States within a year. Yes. Just, Terrifying and coming to America. Yep. So, all right. I didn't get to all of the doom and gloom stories. So, um, stock up. Uh, the the droughts, they're warning in, in California that there's going to be some major food shortages coming to the United States. We haven't seen it a lot. Uh, stack water. As much water as you can, pur- you can buy. Uh, they're limiting 40 million people on the West Coast to their water intake right now. All around the world, they're limited to a gallon of water per day per person. Just let that sink in. One gallon. The average American uses like 250 right now. Gallons okay. of water per day. Yeah. So just, you know, with your showers and your toilets and, you know, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, adds up to like 250 gallons per day. In survival say- situations, we stack for one. <laughs> yes, I will say that Americans are very American and we are very excessive. With- but we can clean it and process it. That's why it's not an issue. Yes. Other places in the world don't use that much water because it's not available and they don't process it as well. That mm-hmm. That's why they look at the wasteful Americans. But I mean, Right now we're in the middle of a drought. Lake Mead is almost out of water. You know, the Colorado River is running dry. 
it's causing Mexico gets a lot of their water from the Colorado River, and they're currently rioting because they've had water shortages so bad that they started kidnapping people who worked on the water com- with the water company to ransom them for water. That's where we're at in society. Stack water, stack anything, anything, because I, I told you everybody back in April that by August, we would be in the middle of a major food crisis. Two days ago, farmers in California raised the red flag saying, hey, get ready to not have ketchup or pasta sauces because we can't get enough tomatoes to meet demand or to sit here and go into other places. Yep. Cattle are being killed off in Texas, sold off, and uh, because they can't afford the feed. It's too hot. Uh, you know, or sorry, that was Kansas, and now Denmark, where mysterious cattle die-offs. Right? Uh, be prepared. Get get the food that you want. Uh, buy it on discount. Put it in a shelf. You don't have to go crazy with the prepping, but just be prepared. You need at least thirty days, at least thirty days, where the food and water stored. So. Yes. So to anyone that is listening, when Pop says to do something, I do it. My boyfriend has a pool. My mom lives on a lake. And I have been purchasing um, MRE-style food for the last two months. Yeah, all you need is a water filter for the pool and the pond. So, Oh, I'll just burn it. (laughs) Fair. Yeah. Collecting wood gets to be a pain in the butt over time, though. But (laughs) All right. So stack... Have a plan, stack food and water, stock up, do whatever you can, learn a skill, learn to grow food, uh, learn to, you know, l- learn something that will help you when the stores aren't there. Uh, learn stuff that will help you when the government's not coming to help. Learn If you live in a cold climate, learn how to stay warm. If you live in a warm climate, learn how to stay cold. Yep. So with that, uh, Freya, I would, uh, I would like to thank you for filling in as my co-host because Tyr could not, <laughs> <laughs> could not figure out how to fix his computer. But uh, so thank you for joining us on another episode of Winter's Call podcast, uh, podcast. And until next time, be safe. So adios. And uh, just because you are here, I'm going to play your, your theme music. Yeah. to kick us out of here.